just feel like shaking yourself or something after all that. That was incredible, guys. Can we just give God praise for these? Yeah, they're incredible. <clears throat> I was taking all kind of videos. I put it up because that, that's one of my favorite worship leaders in the world, this band and all of that. And um, I can't help it. I know a lot of you. Some of you I don't know. Some of my favorite people in the world are actually in this room tonight. I love this church. I love this family. We walked in last night. We were going over to dinner, and we got out of the truck, and I took a deep breath. I said, you know, I've got skin in this game. I've got blood, sweat, and tears in this city of years of praying for you. Uh, how many years of seven-day fast in January of, of being in this building? A lot of years of living in this church, basically, um, a week at a time. And in 2016, I was right there with my uh, little notebook open one day uh, on a fast here and your pastor 2016 that year it was just one of those years where there was so much going on across the street and all of that he couldn't be in here all the time he was actually pastoring and working and fasting and trying to be in here with me and then trying to do everything going on and I was picking at him about it I said you're supposed to be in here soaking you know all that stuff but I really think it was the Lord because it was about me and right there at this church, God gave me the plan for Oasis Church. And uh, that was the January of 2016. Um, you begin to sow and love us and, and help us. I was laughing today because Pastor actually paid for Alex, our son, to go to the ARC training for church planners. Stephanie and I were going, and we had some money raised for us to go, but then he was planning with us, so Marvin said, hey, I'll pay his way. And Dino Rizzo still says that he's the only lead pastor that's ever gone through ARC training with his mama. <laughs> but it started right here. Um, and and I, was just, I got a little emotional a while ago because God began to speak things I never thought I would do, things I didn't think I could do, that our family could do. And it's just absolutely incredible. Some of you have been there, but this past Sunday, we just had normal church and um, had over 400 in church in three services. And, and it's, it's, it's not about the numbers, I realize, but every number is a soul. And we have people there that had, did not know Jesus at all, would have never known Jesus. Uh, so it's just incredible. So good to see these pastors in the house. The second row, we got pastors lined up in here. Um, any guests that's here, thanks for coming. God's been doing things in the aisle while ago. Are you feeling better? How are you? How, what is it? She come in here. They told her that the emergency room or wherever, the quick care, they thought it was like they, they were going to send her to the emergency room. They thought it was gallstones. And it was like poking out while ago. And he come up and was telling me about it. And I was like, we can't wait. You can't wait with something like that. So just touched him. How, bad, how much better is it? Is it like gone? So like on a scale of 1 to 10, it's a what? Oh, Lord. So it was a 10 when she got here. So we're just going to keep praying. Um, I looked at the wall, and I, 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 you know, a lot of times, one thing you, you learn, a lot of times I like to start with established revelation before I go any further. And I've been excited about tonight for several days. Uh, there's a quote that Eric Johnson says that I just, I just think fits tonight so much. He says, we don't pursue God to get more. We pursue God because there is more. And as we were singing tonight and, and leaning into that, into this worship, that's just how I feel. There's so many things. Um, and, and Marvin just mentioned there's such a huge difference between encounter and emotion. 
and and the the word the word that I have tonight, I just I want to talk about encounter presence. But that it, and I know that sounds so simple. Oh, have you heard encounter all our life? Maybe not this way. I want to talk about it, and we're going to release it, and the miracles are going to happen tonight. But but there's just something about encounter. I, I was talking Sunday, and I just stopped because I know that if you're here on a Friday night, this is our glory hogs mostly. Okay, but if you're here, I mean for real, for real though. If you're here, you probably listen to Bethel. You probably listen to Circuit Riders. You probably know. How how to soak and put on music and just wait on the Lord and all that kind of stuff. But, but cause you're here on a Friday night, but on a Sunday, I asked our church Sunday three different times. How many of them had never had an encounter outside of a church service? They had never had an emotional experience that was connected to God outside of a church service, outside of a story, because he just mentioned, I come from a background. I remember when I first came home from Africa at 18, some of you know as missionaries kid, I come home from Africa at 18 and I was wild. I couldn't help it. I was wild. You've heard some of my stories, how I was only in the morgue when I was 17, saw the dead raised, whatever, but you don't understand it. What about the dead being raised and all that? It was about being with people 24 hours a day that believed that God was real, that he was a very present help. They taught me things like the miracle is in the middle, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, I've said it here before, but one of the things we did, and they, the kids like to play with these lights tonight. I have a shadow. But one of the games, the best games that I played as a teenager was the shadow game. And I played it with the Bible school boys and all that. I love playing the shadow game. And the shadow game was simply this. We would go get in front of demon-possessed people, crazy people, because there they don't put them in insane asylums. They just walk around naked on the streets. And so we would like to go, and when the shadows, and, and because we read in the Bible where the shadow of Peter would go at people and they'd be healed, so we played the shadow game like Bible school boys. we get three or four of us, and we'd literally go run by these crazy people. And when our shadow went by, we wanted to see if they would be delivered to demons. And we would do that by deaf people and blind people. It was one of our favorite games. We called it the shadow game. And people said, did it happen every time? Absolutely not. Did it happen enough to keep us playing the game? Absolutely. We are looking for something when you're not in the building, the miracles can still happen. That the gross can fall off in the H-E-B. That the growth can fall off in the growth. Wherever I'm at, what do you have here? We have H-E-B in Texas. You got grocery stores? What you got here? Okay. Uh, okay. So Albertson. So the, Wal the Walmarts. Okay. That was Bogalusa right there. The Walmarts. No. So, so we're going we're gonna to see miracles in the streets and have an encounter. And, and my, my story's a little different. You know, I tell about blind eyes and morgues and all that kind of stuff. But what really happened to me didn't happen in Africa it happened when I was with my parents I was only about seven years old and 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 I crave it I crave what happened to me at seven I'm 50 don't tell nobody I'm 51 years old and I crave his presence more today that I think I have at any time in my life. I've even made some tweaks this year in my personal life and my schedule. I am so hungry. Nothing else matters. Anytime ministry, anytime ministry is not to God and it's about God, it's idolatry. I'll say that again. Anytime ministry is about God and not to God, ministry in itself can become idolatry. Our first ministry is to him. It's actually to worship him and to adore him. And I, I remember, and I've told this story before. Some of you remember, I was seven years old. My parents always were talking about the presence of God. I was raised with real parents. If you know my mom, my dad passed. I was raised by real people. I don't have this horror story that I was raised by hypocrites and all this. I was raised by the real deal. And they were always 
always talking about the presence of God. And I remember when I was seven years old, I went on a search for Jesus in our trailer. We traveled around preaching from churches week to week to week to week. My dad would get up and say, the Lord spoke to me. Jesus spoke to me. I would hear them praying. I'd hear them talking about Jesus in prayer. I mean, it was a small trailer. There's three of us. I was going to hear them. I was going to see them. And they're always talking. The Lord spoke to me. Baby, the Lord just spoke to me. I just felt like Jesus just said. And they talked like that. It was like common language in our house. I just, I did, my, my dad and mom especially, honey, I just felt like the Lord said we are. And that's how I was raised. I was like seven years old. And I knew they weren't lying. So I went on a pursuit of his presence. I literally wanted to find Jesus. And I looked everywhere that I could. I looked in the refrigerator. I looked in the toilet. I looked, no, for real. We had those beds that made out. You remember the old trailers before you had the slide outs and stuff that you had the table and then you'd break the table down and you'd put a mattress on it, make it a bed. Okay. We had that kind of travel trailer. I looked every crook and cranny I could. And it's one of my first memories at seven years old. I fell down in the floor and I literally started crying and I said, Jesus, where are you? And that's really all I remember because the king of heaven, it was like he took his crown off. He took his robe off. He'd come down in that trailer, and for the first time in my life, it become addictive after that. But at seven, I encountered the presence of Jesus in such a way that when my mom come in, wherever she had been out doing clothes or whatever, when she come in the trailer, she said, honey, what's, she thought I was upset. I was just bawling. She said, honey, what's wrong? I said, I've been looking for Jesus. And I remember we talked about this week. She's laughing about it. She said, honey, I think you found him. And she, she got down, she got down in the floor with me and we began to pray. I didn't understand what I was doing right then, but there was such a soul connection with his presence. See the difference between the hearing aid and the jerking and the emotion. See the difference between that and an encounter. And is there anybody tonight that says my soul is craving an encounter? Maybe you've had one. Maybe you like me. Maybe you can tell me story after story after story of encounters in your life. But I think if we become jaded, because here's the thing, life happens age happens kids happen busyness happens and some of us are caught up in the barrenness of busyness we are so busy serving the lord we don't have time to wait on him have you ever been in a restaurant where you had a lot of people and it was really really busy and they were so busy serving they didn't have time to wait on you you didn't get your drink they're doing their job, but they're so busy, they're not really waiting on you. Many of us, that's how our lives are. We're so busy about the activity of Jesus. We haven't really spent time making sure that he's pleased. You sure you need some more bread? You need to refill? You need ice for that? Don't need ice for that. Is everything okay? No, I'm too busy making sure. Is it possible that some of us tonight just need to slow down and say, okay, I need a fresh encounter of his presence. I, I need, I, I don't pursue him. I'm not here tonight because I want more. I'm not here tonight because I'm craving. I'm here tonight because he's told me there's more available and he wants me to have more. I'm pursuing him because there is more. Does that make sense to anybody? I'm desperate for that in pursuing that. I've been, I've been studying about this all day. One thing I wrote down about two days ago, the power of God was never the problem. Power of God has never been the problem. I'm going to talk about power and presence for a minute. Many of us understand. We have some theologians in the room. I got my preachers in the room. They understand about the omnipresence of God. They understand about the omniscience of God. They understand about the omnipotence of God. He is all powerful. He is all present. But even though he is all present doesn't mean that you felt his manifest presence. 
So God's presence is everywhere, but there are people that believe in the omnipresence of God, but they deny the tangible presence of God. No, there are believers that believe in the omnipresence of God, but they deny the ta- that you can actually feel God. I've heard preachers get up and make fun of it and say, what does God feel like? What does it feel like? I've heard people make fun of it. What does the voice of God sound like? Does it sound like Morgan Freeman in your head? You can laugh. That's a joke. What does, the, what does the voice of God say? I've heard them make fun of it because they'll accept that there's an omnipresence, but then they deny that there's a manifest presence. Well, it's the same way. If there's an omnipresence, then there is an omnipotence. There is an all power. Somebody say power. And there are people that believe that God is powerful, but they don't believe he's powerful enough to answer their prayer and manifest himself at that exact moment. So his power was never the problem. It was always about his presence. I've been doing some things. I wrote down today. I got a couple of things. I, I, I wrote down a few things. I've been doing a list, and this is fun. It's going to be fun when it comes out. I'm writing a list, nothing that I've heard, only what I've seen in my life. I'm writing a list, and I'm comparing every New Testament miracle of Jesus, and I'm documenting that every New Testament miracle of Jesus, including water being turned into wine and paper being turned into bread and the dead being raised and leprosy being healed, I'm documenting that I have seen it with my own eyes, every miracle that is in the new testament i've seen with my own eyes in my own lifetime which means that you've come too late to tell me that it can't happen i get incredibly happy when pastor said hey you want to come to revival night that's my kind of deal i flew in i should be home tonight but it's my kind of deal because somebody's going to be healed this two's about to become a zero i already met a lady over here got something going on with her jaw whatever i can't wait for god to fix that in a few minutes who else come with them you need a miracle wave at me you need you came tonight okay it's going to happen and i know that because it happens every day but the issue has never been the power it's been about the presence just a couple of things i'll go through are you bored couple things i'm going through number one the red sea how many of you have heard about the children of israel crossing across the red sea on dry ground that's a miracle isn't it well have you ever heard of elsa my friend elsa that was driving in ghana and got in between two military fractions that were fighting one another and they didn't realize that she was driving through because she was out under curfew but she's just like that she's like in her 70s when this happened she's in her 70s a single woman been a missionary in africa for 50 years she don't think the law applies to her she just thinks jesus takes care of her no for real she just thinks angels in camp around about her and she just walks in the spirit she honestly believes that she drove through them they're shooting they both sides respect her they didn't know she was in the vicinity when they saw what they had done both sides stopped shooting run up because the car is full of bullet holes going Going in this side going in this side and out both sides both sides do a ceasefire running up because it's mama elsa in the car when they open the door mama elsa's in the car there's not one bullet in any of her clothes in any of her body both doors are riddled with bullet holes both doors have holes going out and in and she's completely whole because of the power of the holy spirit see the same god that took the children of israel through the red sea took her through bullets that's pretty incredible. Another story I was thinking about today was, was uh, the three Hebrew children. Okay, the three Hebrews, they're thrown into the fiery furnace. And as you know, there was a fourth man in the fire that didn't burn. Have you heard about my friend Fidel? I was like 17 when they burnt Fidel's church down. I was 17 when they beat him. They beat him to death. They kept him in the church. They burnt the church down on top of him. And the whole village thought that they had burned him alive. Let me tell you the rest of the story. Not only did Fidel not burn, 
but from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet, all of his clothes were completely soot and you could smell the fire, but there was not one hole, there was not one singe, and the entire building had been consumed with him in it. Not only was he not consumed, but when they went to pick up the ashes in the pulpit, the Bible that they hated so much in that village and they wanted to do, the Bible that they tried to burn out when they opened the Bible, not one page of the Bible had been singed and burned. And the pulpit was nothing but ashes. You say, why do you tell stories like this, Pastor? Because if I don't tell them, you're going to forget them. If I don't tell them, we're going to raise a generation that thinks that the music is the miracle. We're going to raise a generation that thinks the sustain pedal is the anointing and that the fog machine is the glory. No, these are tools. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. These are tools that help us to propel once the presence is there. That was pretty powerful right there. There's some churches I need to talk about that in. Uh. What about Daniel? What about Daniel in the lion's den? We talk about Daniel in the lion's den. You say, oh, that's crazy. You only shut the mouth of the lion's. I've actually stood in the village. I wrote down the pastor's name. His name was Alpha. Alpha's village was so invaded with poisonous snakes and vipers that they actually thought they were going to have to close the church down because children had been bitten by poisonous vipers on the way to Sunday school because there were vipers everywhere. And the board met and said, no, we're not going to close the church down. We're sure not going to close the village and the school down. We're going to have a prayer meeting. And if Jesus could close the mouth of the lions, he can close the mouth of the serpents and we had what they call an unchassant service a, unchassant, a chase on a Saturday and they went with sticks all in the village and would stir up all the snakes just beating and these snakes started coming out you say how do you know pastor were you there I was there I was in the jeep with the windows up I mean, I'm not that spiritual. I'm, I was there, yeah. I was there with my. I was there in the jeep when the windows up and the door locked, and they had these and these snakes would come out. These these the 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 python, but really the little ground mambas and stuff. They're coming out, the little vipers, and they were coming up. And they were, you would see them running, and these people, not these preachers, just these saints of God, they would walk up and they would go, je te chassons au nom de Jésus. And when they would say that and point at the snakes, these snakes would roll over on their little bellies and, and like little froth come out of their mouth, literally a little white froth and just roll over on their bellies and die. I'm sitting in the Jeep. You say, why didn't you get out of the Jeep? Because it was their Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an African, it's yeah, Jesus. But, but it, was, it was that kind of power. It was that, it's that kind of, what I'm talking about, encounter. It's that kind of, of things that you see. It just kind of messes with your mind that you honestly believe that we're two or three are gathered together in my name. There am I in the midst of them. You honestly begin to believe. Somebody just begin to raise your hands. Father, faith is building in this room right now. God, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your anointing. I thank you that I don't pursue you to get more. I pursue you because there is more i thank you tonight that there's a difference between emotion and encounter and i pray that you are creating an appetite and a hunger for somebody in this room to go beyond emotion to go beyond feelings and to enter into the realm of presence if you came tonight desperate for that just right now just open your spirit as pastor was mentoring you and leading you a few moments ago just open your spirit more more of your presence I crave more of your presence. Years ago, my dad told me, he said, son, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. 
talking about worship, talking about preaching, talking about people. He said, you can lead a horse but you can't, to water, but you can't make him drink. But you can put salt in the oats. You can create a salty environment that causes thirst. That's what this worship team's been doing. That's what the Monday night prayer meetings have been doing. That's what Papa Ron being here. What that does is that begins to create. There's some of you, you've been in this dimension before, and then you get out of it. You get busy. It's that barren, wave at me if I'm talking. Life happens, but you know what it is to have an encounter. Then things happen, and you get sidetracked over that. But all of a sudden, you begin to get thirsty. You begin to thirst for his presence. You begin to get dead. There's just something in you. You say, no, 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 no. We got to get back to this. We got to get back to revival nights. We got to get back to an encounter. We have to get back where we can soak and feel in his presence his power was never the problem his problem was the presence ephesians three nineteen. i found this last week in the amplified version and i can't help it. it's probably my third time to talk about it because it's just it's just eating me alive ephesians chapter 3 verse 19 paul is writing and i'm going to read the amplified because it just kind of comes alive a little bit he said that you may come to know practically through personal experience so that you may come to know through personal experience, not just through intellect, but through personal experience, the love of Christ, which far surpasses just knowledge. He said, I want you to know the love of Christ that surpasses mere knowledge. And that word knowledge means without experience. So I want you to get to a point where you know more that you have an encounter that's not just something you think, but it's something you've experienced. That you may be filled up. I love what he said, that you may be filled up. The translators say throughout your being. That you may be filled up throughout your being to all the fullness of God so that you have the richest experience of God's presence in your life. Say filled up with all the fullness of God. Now, if his power was never the problem, if you believe that he is all powerful, but then you believe that he is in you and that you are filled up with all of the presence of God, that means that the very word that created the world is inside you do you really believe that that the word that you have the power with your mouth to change environments you have the power with your words to create worlds you have the authority to speak things that aren't as though they were do you really believe that if you believe that you wouldn't be satisfied being broke you wouldn't be satisfied being divorced you wouldn't be satisfied being sick you wouldn't be satisfied being negative you wouldn't be satisfied being angry you wouldn't be satisfied with the things that are weighing heavy on your heart you wouldn't be satisfied you begin to change it by the power of the word of your mouth by the authority, does anybody believe that? He said that you may be filled up throughout your being to all the fullness of God so that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your lives. Now listen, I love this part. Completely filled and flooded with God himself. That's what I want to talk about tonight encounter. Completely filled and flooded. When's the last time you weren't just filled, you were flooded? And we talk about being spirit-filled in the spirit-filled church. But we have confused a prayer language with being flooded with his presence. Come on. Come on. Amen. And I know people that have a prayer language and can talk in tongues and haven't felt his presence in 40 years. Oh, wow. I'm going to mess with your theology right now. Because we confuse a thing with a who. We confuse something that we do with an encounter that God can give us in his presence. When's the last, I know you were filled, but when's the last time you were flooded with his presence? When's the last time there was an overflow of joy? That there was an overflow. I, I, I've been saying this all the time, and I know you hear it here all the time, but I just have to say this, the pastor and me coming out. If you have a happy problem and you have a joy problem, you really don't. You have a presence problem. 
Because in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. And if, you, if you're battling depression, I'm going to tell you, if it's a chemical imbalance, go eat a chocolate bar, go to a doctor and take some medicine. No, I'm, I'm all for that. It can be a chemical imbalance. But if you're fighting a spirit of depression, if you're fighting just a bad attitude, you don't need more happy. You need more presence. Because in his presence, there is fullness of joy. Does that make sense to anybody? And people are, oh, bad, I don't understand. I'm just fighting depression. Are, are, are depression. are you really fighting depression? Or when's the last time you've been in his presence by yourself with nobody else around, just you and Jesus where there's no pressure on anything and your spirit just becomes alive because of an encounter of his anointing? Does that make sense to anybody? Whew, thank you, Jesus. I crave an encounter of your presence. I want to say a few things I just wrote down today that presence is not a manifestation, but a person. I like what Bill Johnson said. He said, God is a person, not a machine. He craves relationships. The moment you have a form of godliness, the moment you have a form of godliness, you deny the next encounter. Paul said you have a form of godliness, you deny the power thereof. The moment you create a ritual to your worship, you have cut off the avenue to your next encounter. Oh, somebody needs to grab that right now. The moment it becomes ritual, the moment it becomes machine, the moment it becomes three songs, two testimonies, a sermon, the moment Marvin said it earlier about a style. I, I, I used to, be, I mean, I know Calvin's here, Leo's here. I mean, I, I, I've done this all of my life. I, I, and there's certain circles I can still go to. I still love it. It's my style. I do it. Y'all laugh at me when I come here. I love Afrocentric preaching style, but I come from a movement where I learned how to substitute Afrocentric preaching style for the anointing they learn how to substitute the sensational for the supernatural and noise begin to replace presence and crowd begin to replace God being pleased crowd begin to replace God being pleased so the biggest church in town had to be the most blessed church in town but doesn't it confuse you that sometimes the biggest churches are the deadest churches I don't understand that because my pursuit is not to be with more people. My pursuit is to be with more presence. Ah. And sometimes I have to leave people because there are some people that are such presence drainers that the little bit of presence I have, they're going to drain from me because they're like vampires. And because they don't have a prayer life or worship life or believe in the supernatural for themselves, they're going to take what little bit I have. And so when I get around them, they're going to drain me of presence, use my presence for their benefit, and then I'm going to be empty. No, I got to get in the presence of the Lord where there's fullness of joy. Does that make sense to anybody? Huh. God is a person, not a machine. He longs for fellowship. I, I, I was studying about something this morning, and I think it's kind of incredible. I was going to try. Am I making sense? Thank you, Jesus. Because there's people here tonight that are craving encounter. And I, and I think you've been through, and, and I'll just talk, I know the harbor, some of you are not from the harbor, but I've watched this church, and tonight, it was just so good, guys, it was so good. This church, let me prophesy here in just a little bit, but this, this church, it's almost like you had to swing one way, it's almost like you have to overcorrect. Have you ever been driving and a deer run out in front of you, or you hit a slate path, whatever, and, and you have to overcorrect, and you almost have to have a wreck to keep from having a wreck? 
You know what I'm talking about? You scare everybody in the car, especially if Pastor Marvin's driving. Um, you, you just scare everybody, but you oh, Jesus, and you have to go over here, and you're way over here, and then you have to come back and get in the middle of the road because you have to overcorrect to keep from having a, correct, uh, a wreck. I wonder if what the harbor's gone through, it's almost like you have to overcorrect to get out of, keep from having an accident and shipwrecking and having a destruction because we've had to overcorrect from emotionalism and from all this kind of stuff in order to finally get us in a place of balance. To where I felt when I was praying a while ago, I felt the word, because I've been praying, I'd encounter, 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 and the word the Lord spoke to me a while ago wasn't encounter, but it was, an, it was alignment. He said, tell them that they are finally in alignment. Just like four tires on a car. He said, tell them they're finally in alignment. And now that they're in alignment, what they have tried to do years before that was hard to do, now it's going to be easy when they just get in alignment. And every, oh, hallelujah. And there are some of you, it's been like a battle. And here lately, you're just like, wait, it's not a battle anymore. And your heart, it's like there's salt in your oats. You're hungry for what you were hungry for several years ago. And you didn't get the fulfillment then. But now it's like, wait, this is different. I'm excited about his presence. I'm excited about what I'm feeling. Does that make sense to anybody? Am I, wave at me if I'm talking to you. What if you're in alignment? So with your hands raised right now, Holy Spirit, confirm your word. Confirm your word now. Just allow your presence to begin to move in this room. Just allow your anointing to just right now, Holy Spirit. Confirm your word now. Hallelujah. Just confirm it. Let the hunger begin to come out. Nothing but his presence. I have no agenda but your presence. I crave an encounter that you're real. If you're in physical pain right now, who are you? You're in physical pain right now. You're in physical pain. I'm just waving the room. I'm just, and people say, Pastor, why, are you, why do you look around like that? I'm looking for whoever's lit up. I don't tell my secrets. A lot of times you see me on a Sunday and I'm too busy. I'm too busy preaching to do it. Number one, my hand starts burning. That's why I prayed for her earlier. When this couple was praying, for, talking to me in the awe, my, this hand got so hot. That's why I went ahead and touched her and prayed for her because I knew miracles were going to be in the room right now. The next thing that happened, the Lord begins to light up to me people that are about to be healed. Who's that? The girl in the white. Not just because you got white on, but I'm coming to you. Um, what's going on? My foot. What's wrong with it? Don't know. It's been hurting for a month. Like I your heel it. or middle foot? No, it's, it starts in my toe, but then it runs up to my knee. Huh. That's the way it always starts. It was you broke it? Several years ago. Yeah, and it just started about a month ago. About a month ago. In Jesus' name. I'm going to tell you when to put the weight on it, and then we just to release it. Just stretch forth your hand if you believe right now. <laughs> just receive it now. Just receive it. Huh. What's happening? Now. Just move it. Stand up on your tiptoe. Yeah, there you go. That'll test it. What happened? Honestly, uh -huh. my calf drew up and then released. Yeah. Yeah. Now move it. Come on, walk it around. What happened? 
It's gone. Somebody get happy. I mean, my Lord, it's like a bunch of Presbyterians in here tonight. I mean, you can get excited about when he does. That's not emotion, okay? It's not emotionalism to go, dang, I just healed. That's not emotionalism. That's, that, that, is, that is worship. Wow. Isn't that cool? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to come back to my point in a minute, but I'm just too busy right now. What is it? What's wrong? What's wrong with it? Does he, how long? Family? In your back? You have anything in your family? No one else in your family's had it? I think my dad. Yeah, I thought so. Just sit there, kind of lean up a little bit like this. Don't want to hurt you. We were laughing. Let me, can I just say something funny? Y'all, many, how many of y'all know me? When I pray for people with blood disease, y'all know I would kind of blow up people's nose, tell them to sniff like that, that whole African thing, and people get healed all over. So the day we're joking, and Michelle says, it's in our prayer manual that you can't breathe on nobody. <laughs> you don't blow on people. You don't blow on people unless you're super. <laughs> I said, well, I'm not going to blow on them, but I will breathe up your nose, blow up your nose, and breathe like that, just, just kind of like that. So it's a little crazy sometimes. I'm not going to do that to you. Don't get worried about it. But I am going to do that. Does it hurt right now? You've been in pain? Yes. A lot of pain. You feel that heat? Yes. Yes. I do. Thank you, Jesus. Now what's going to happen? The pain's going to go. Then we'll lift both arms. With my hands still there, raise both arms. Raise them up higher. Yeah, there you go. Raise them up higher. Come here, woman of God. I need you. I, don't, I only have two arms. Okay, take her wrist. Hold her wrist. Pull them up. Pull them up as high as you can. Don't hurt her. Pull them up. Take a real deep breath. You ready? Pull him up, pull him up. Jesus, go. Oh, now what happened? What happened? It's okay. Now, hold on. Let's, what happened? I don't have a mic to put in her mouth. It's over here. So you're being healed. Now, what I want you to believe, you still have heat going down your back. You're being healed right now. Okay. It's not just the pain. Yeah, yeah. So, so. So the residue of that, that white, whatever that is, that arthritis, whatever that white stuff is that's on your spine and that if an x-ray was to show that, gone. Now, in the name of Jesus, especially right in here, right in here, like fire. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Come on, move your neck around. What's happening? That's pretty cool. What's happening? You good? You healed? Well, glory. Isn't that cool? Isn't that neat? Isn't that neat? All right, where's my friend over here with the, with the, with the, we can get happy about that. Is that okay? I mean, I mean, what did you come to, what did you come tonight on a Friday night? And we were talking about presence. Okay, all this happens and people ask me already, and, and, and I know we don't have any religious people here, but, but, but if we did have religious people and some people would be like, but you didn't pray for anybody. Why would I pray for something that was done 2,000 years ago on the cross? Jesus never one time said pray for the sick. Jesus said heal the sick. The reference we have in the New Testament to pray for the sick is the book of James. And it's not even really talking about prayer in itself. It's talking about purity. 
It's talking about the position you should be in as an elder of the church when you went to pray for people. But it's not really talking about prayer in its essence. It's talking about identifying the elder in your community that operates in the gift of healing that you need. So you call for that elder of the church because Peter's already taught about that. He said, make your calling and election sure, your gifting and your placement. So the early church knew. So when James is writing this, when he says call for the elders of the church, he's not just saying call for the old man that hadn't committed adultery. Because most churches, that's who their elder is. They find the one guy that hadn't been divorced or committed adultery and halfway comes to church and, okay, he's our elder. No, he's not talking about that. He's talking about the person that has the gifting that you need. You call for that elder. That elder comes. You repent. If you committed sin, it's forgiven you. He lays hands on you and you're healed. But because we don't believe in the fivefold in the local church, because we don't believe in the fivefold ministry in the local church, we don't identify what people have what giftings and what calling. So when somebody has a problem, everybody wants to call the senior leader because he might not even have the gift you need, but because he's who gets paid. I feel like I'm preaching now. <laughs> Oh, Lord. So, because, so you call the senior leader because they're who gets paid because they own the payroll. So you got to call them. So they got to come to the hospital and pray for you, even if they don't operate in the gift of healing. Why would you want him to come? He might preach good on Sunday. It might be Sister Bertha that lives on Social Security that God has given the ministry of healing that you need to get the oil and come to church and lay hands on you and see what happens to you. And she gets healed. Does that make sense? That's just good theology. So, Hi. I pray for some more of you, but there's a scripture that came to me. Stanley, you're a scholar, so you probably preached this. I've never preached this in my life. In 1 Chronicles chapter 27, it's listing after David has been in, in authority for 40 years. At this time, he is through running, and he's finally beginning to establish order and kingdom and putting people in positions and temple and kingdom and treasury and putting all these people that have been faithful to him in different positions and different things. And it's just a whole list in First Chronicles 27. It's just name after name. And so normally when I do my Bible reading, this is the kind of chapter that you skim over. You know, because it's just a bunch of names. And so-and-so took care of the horses. And so-and-so took care of the donkeys. And so-and-so did this. So you just skim over it. But verse chapter 27, verse 28, it said, Over the olive trees and the sycamore trees that were in the low plains, Belhanan the Gadarite. Who in the world was Belhanan? I wonder if he was related to Bohanan. <laughs> but some of you don't watch Netflix. That's all right. So, so. Uh-huh. The low plains was Belhanan the Gadarite. And over the cellars of oil was Joash. I've read over that all my life until I got to reading some history. And I was like, my God, I told Michelle in the car that I've never seen this in my life. I started studying it. Joash become the keeper of the king's oil, of the olive oil that was in the cellars or in the warehouse. If there's no oil, there's no fuel for the flame in the candle. He was not only keeper of the oil, he was keeper of the king's oil, but it wasn't public. It was in the cellar. So I did a little study in the commentaries. I Googled it. Here's what I found out. When he become the keeper of the oil in the cellars, they moved him and his family. He had daughters, no sons. They moved him and his family into the cellars of the king's cellars where the oil was kept. And their entire lifetime, they lived in the oil. And when they would come out to shop or whatever, they became known. Everyone knew who they were because of the aroma of the oil. That they became so soaked 
in the aroma of the oil of keeping the oil to make sure that when they lit the wick in the king's presence, there would always be a flame because there would always be fresh oil. Nobody really remembers his name, but his whole family was identified by the aroma of the oil because it would just soak in. What would happen as we are the keepers of the king's flame? What would happen if we would get so soaked in his presence and so soaked in the oil that when you walked in the Albertsons, when you walked in the Circle K, when you walked in, all that would be is ooze is the presence of God because you've just been so much in his presence just so much in his glory and they literally were known as Joash's family by the aroma they carried wow I want people to know me by the presence I carry I want to be a carrier, whether it's on an airport, whether it's in a grocery, whether it's in a hotel. I don't care where. I never want to. People tell me, and I've even had preachers tell me, they're like, you're like always in character. I, God, please. I want to stay in character. I, I want to stay this way where it can happen at a table. It can happen at a counter. Got to be careful when I get mad with the airlines at the airport because it may be somebody that saw me preach or heard me preach. You got to be careful because at any minute, a miracle could happen and his presence could happen. We're pursuing his presence tonight. So with your eyes closed and hands raised, this worship team's coming back. But I wonder if there's some of you that, that, that you would just admit, wow, this has been so simple. But it's like putting salts in my oats. I've been in service. I've been in worship. I've been in music. I've been in noise. I've had emotion. I have felt the emotion of the mood of the service. But it's been so long since I had an encounter with his presence. Who am I talking to? Every eye closed. I'm just going to talk to you for a moment. Is it possible that people that are even glory hogs that would come on a Friday night, that it's been a long time since you had just an encounter? There are others that are here that you're ready for a miracle, that you're ready for a supernatural touch from God, not just a Sister Brummett goosebumps, but real miracles. I was just praying for the sick. And I'm going to keep those that, that, that raise your hand, you're in pain. If you come tonight for your miracle, I want you to stand. Nobody else standing. They're going to stand, and we're going to just begin to praise.